This afternoon's Dharma talk is titled The Parirajika's Progress. Parirajika is a, I think it's a Sanskrit word, but I was, um, I would have to come on Oscar to correct me. It could be Pali. I doubt it. This is something like a Pali word. Probably Sanskrit. And Parirajika means a wanderer, and that's actually what the Buddha was before he. Uh, before he awoke, he was a wanderer. And that was a big thing in ancient India, uh, people on a spiritual path, wandering around, trying to find out what, what is this about? What is life about? What is life about? Uh, the Hindu uh, religion uh, is extremely complicated. Many, there are forms of Hinduism uh, that, are, that are atheistic. There are forms that are, that are uh, very, very theistic. There are Forms that are pantheistic, and it's just quite a interesting display there. A good idea because this allows lots of different kinds of people to actually have a spiritual path, rather than have. Whereas, in, uh, even in uh, monotheism, monotheism like Christianity, Islam, Judaism is uh, they have difficulty. There. Then, when people try to break off and do something differently, they look like they're wrong. They look they have condemned. But perhaps, or maybe not, in some forms of Christianity are quite odd compared to another form of Christianity. This is also true in Buddhism, and even in Buddhism, even though the Buddha, uh, in his wisdom, I say that, took me a while to see that's what it was, he made sure he didn't tighten things up so tight that he didn't have 18 different schools. Probably a lot more people say, well, I think the Buddha, well, I think, well, I think the way I look at it, we need to, and then, of course, see the other one that I've repeated several times lately, just because I get quite a chuckle out of it when I think about how the Buddha said, you should, those 250 precepts that I mentioned, yeah, don't worry about those. And then just before he peeled over or peeled onto his right side, uh, he said, oh, you can keep a few of them, but, uh, <laughs> you need to say which ones. <laughs> and then, of course, then everybody had to say, well, I think he, not, he meant, well, probably don't kill. Don't take stuff that isn't given to you. That's when I had a hard time. I thought if I like something, it should be mine. When I was uh, eight, 18, still doing it when I was 18. Difficult. If you have some kind of habituation that doesn't seem to have a source, very difficult to work with that without trying to uh, cut off the, the head of the snake, you know, cut off, cut that off without knowing where it comes from. <coughs> so the Parivrajika, or the wanderer looking for the truth, looking for some kind of a deep understanding of what, what, what life is about. What is this about? Uh, at the time the Buddha was doing this, there were the, the, the Jains had been around uh, for a couple hundred years. And correct me if I'm off on that. I think so. I'm not a historian nor a scholar. Um, and of course, uh, uh, all the teachings that come out of the, the, the Upanishads and, and so on are quite lost in uh, various uh, forms that we would call uh, the source of something. I can't really find a source for it. So the wanderer's progress. Like, uh, recently gave a talk on progress, <coughs> so you know how I feel about that word. And I'm always open to questions. We can all, I like to do this mutually, so I'll talk for a while. But uh, if at some point it seems appropriate, or so you have a question about it, then we can go deeper into it, do it together, uh, based on how you're um, asking a question about something that, or 
time to look at or talk about. Seems to work good. So we're all we're all kind of party project because we're all kind of wanderers. We wandered in here. Uh, who knows where we're going out, going around and around at or with or what we were going uh, around to go to and all the other ways of describing it. Trumper, Jay, my first teacher, uh, called uh, that the, the confusion there or the, the wandering aspect called it the, the spiritual supermarket. Looking around for something. It's like you go into the supermarket and you wander around and around and around and around. Well, now we're in the veggies and now we're in the, the meat, the poultry, and now we're in the canned goods and so on. And, and I think he was trying to point out through that metaphor that at least my understanding of what he was saying is you need to see that you're doing some of that, but at some point you need to find something that seems to resonate, seems to make a, a little fundamental sense for you, and um, go that direction, get that. This is why the Buddha is often called the middle way, not too tight, not too loose. It doesn't mean go around and never never choose anything. Kind of avoid it so you can be someone who never makes a decision or is uh, totally fine without doing anything. And the other kind that actually grasps onto something and hangs onto it and clings, and then that particular uh, situation, uh, here the metaphor of the supermarket only goes so far, but uh, you tend to go into... Uh, some kind of a pardon, some kind of understanding of something that is is true and everything else is wrong, or at least I found the <coughs> right path. I know exactly what to do, uh, and so that seems to be uh, more about not wanting to look anymore, or not wanting to have the feeling of not being sure. That that lack of that that particular insecurity uh, can cause us to pick and choose too soon. And there's well, finally, well, finally, I didn't know what to do for a long time, but now. That I'm 18, I know exactly what I want to. So, and quite often it's however you are brought up, so to speak, however you're raised, and that could be, you know, you could have been brought up in a very nurturing, loving, caring, supportive home, and you could have been born in just the opposite, a very abusive and restrictive and a horrible situation. And, you know, there's so many ways to look at dependent origination. You can say, well, I'm really lucky to have been brought up in such a terrible space because that put me on the spiritual path. And someone else could say, uh, <clears throat> could say, I'm very lucky to have a loving, caring, because that actually helped me to be a loving, caring. But that person might not have a spiritual path. It might be in uh, just one highly sophisticated and polished what circle. It's not that it's incorrect. It's just circular. It's circular. It's like, uh, from the ultimate point of view, there is such a thing, probably not. Uh, but from a higher point of view, you could look and see what looks perfectly fine is circular. Uh, even though it looks like a straight line, it looks like you're actually going to paradise or going to some wonderful place or getting some, or you're being very successful, you're very, you're, you're helping people and you're a very kind person because you were treated very kind. But sometimes we have a family where, and I'm sure you all, some of you probably experienced this, uh, where you have three brothers, three sisters, a brother and two sisters, and one of the people is really highly, let's um, use the word compassionate or caring for others, and, and another person absolutely doesn't care about anybody but themselves, and they're totally going into some kind of a uh, narcissism. The same family. So, uh, same kind of uh, a caring. I saw a family when I was very young where each one of the three sisters were all treated completely differently and they all showed up differently. Um, 
one was treated like a, a little angel, and the other was treated like she didn't belong there and needed to go back out on the street. And, uh, and one was treated, it was kind of in the middle. Uh, parents didn't seem to have any opinion on her, particularly, not from the point of view of how she was treated. <clears throat> so there's lots of different ways that any, any situation, whether it's a spiritual path or a mundane path or your family or your workplace or your neighborhood, and I could go on as, as you know. Uh, and as you could uh, talk about this uh, situation of all the variables, all the picking and choosing that we tend to do until we see that picking and choosing, we can slow down on that. You could actually have an open dimension where you don't really know. Uh, the, the, the whole, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the daily Dharma gathering on Tuesday. So there's six paramitas. I'm going to be talking about the last one. Uh, I think I got that one because I'm the oldest. <laughs> It's on wisdom, and then the, the other, the first five are uh, uh, generosity, uh, discipline, wisdom, discipline, patience, energy, meditation, and wisdom. They're going to have a different speaker uh, talk on each one of those, and so those are those are, are graduated so that you can you can slowly begin to understand more deeply how your mind works, how how your understanding of the world, how your projections about the world. Uh, how your your beliefs about the world or disbeliefs or ignoring about the world, how that's actually functioning. I think it's very hard to do this with just the intellect alone. Not, not that there aren't people who do that. Go read Nietzsche. Go read uh, Kierkegaard. Go read uh, uh, Friedrich Hegel. You want to see somebody who has extremely polished, highly sophisticated, conceptual, and very intelligent circles. But they're circles. They don't go beyond even the Religious ones like uh, Martin Buber, uh, Jewish uh, theologian, or, or Kierkegaard don't actually uh, go beyond. They seem to. There seem to be some kind of a beyond quality happening because they're religious existentialists. So as Parivrajikas, at some point, the, the wandering situation needs to begin to fine-tune. And that can only do that not through choice. It needs to do it by uh, choicelessness. If it's not working through choicelessness, then you're still going to be evaluating and wondering if you made the right choice. So the only way you can know you are on the path in this lineage, and I'm fine with other other teachers out there uh, or students or whatever disagreeing, do whatever do whatever you want to do. It's not I'm not here talking about being right, but if you know that you're right, then you're wrong. Am I putting that simply enough? If you think you know something about that, then you have work to do. I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you the kind of knowing that is a relative kind of knowing um, is circular. I like questions about this. So what is the difference between that right kind of knowing and the choicelessness? So the choicelessness, what got you're a monk. What got you in here? Did you make a choice to be here? So describe it. Give me three words. Five words. I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> and you thought, I wouldn't be just like you. <laughs> what, did you what is it? Say it in a couple words. You don't have, have to elaborate. I met you and it just seemed to... Yeah. So you were, you could say that you were wandering around. I know you studied shamanism for many years. And I don't know what else you studied. And you went traveling to different countries looking for a guru. Am I correct? No. no. Huh? I didn't know it. I didn't know. We were looking for something. All right, Roger, a wanderer. We all have. We all would all have a wandering story of sorts. It might not look like the 
the Tathagata 2,500 years ago who wandered for what, uh, several years, six years or less. We all have a, a kind of a story like that, and, and with each person it would be different. If you listen to someone, they would describe it in a different way. It would be totally different, say, than Shoko's. Go ahead. You seem to be setting up a contrast with just different situations that you're calling circular, like um, even being kind, being a form of hol- polished uh, circularity. What does the spiritual path offer um, in regard to the circularity? Um, relatively or ultimate? It's a simple question. Relatively or ultimate? Yeah. For me? How about, how about, how about relative? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, which, which one? Which path? The spiritual path. The true spiritual path? Does not hurt. If it does, it's not the true spiritual path. Makes any promises at all. Anything at all. It's not that it can't say, this might be a good way for you to practice, or this might be a good thing for you to do. If there's any kind of promise happening, uh, fishy. Somebody wants to control you. Somebody wants a follower. Somebody wants a, uh, obedience. If somebody wants something from you, uh, probably a little fishy. I'm not saying that this person that may be doing this, this, this teaching person might not be sincere. They might be very sincere, but they can't have fundamental sincerity as long as there's someone who's being sincere. The only fundamental sincerity. What you say, you're going to say is more important than I was going to say. When you talk about circles, people going in circles, doing things that are circular, it seems to set up like that's something we should not be doing, strive to not, not do or see that we're doing. What are you pointing at the circles? Circular. Like if you say to somebody, like if you were to say, uh, Junju, you're going in circles. That'd be helpful for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I can say to her is helpful. It's <laughs> <laughs> awareness. It's awareness. Bingo. It's not a circle. It's not a circle. Can you explain how the Buddha's path is not circular? Well, it was to start with. When he went in circles because he, he first he sat on, on hard rocks, and then he went without eating, and then he did all kinds of various things. He tortured himself in different ways, and he went into different jhana states of uh, uh, where he, uh, where, where the, the formless uh, realm and the realm of form and, the, and different uh, ways of uh, the god realm, the six levels of the god realm, whatever. So, and so it was circular for a while until he saw what this was. And he saw it was definitely risen. What's the, what is that? What's the word? Kratitya Samipada? Is that it? No, I never remember which is which. They all sound foreign, which they are, of course. But yeah, he saw dependent origination. He saw sometimes called interdependent origination. I like dependent origination. Very direct. Dependent. Anything you see is dependently originated. It's not self-generated, particularly. And he saw that deeply. He saw it so deeply that he actually saw the confusion that was in front of him. So he didn't need to go anywhere. He actually didn't go anywhere. But if, he, if, he, if there could be any kind of movement at all, it would be direct, which is like saying straight line. So a direct understanding. He be- began teaching out of that um, because he was asked, I see there's light coming out of your ears. Probably wasn't that, but they noticed something about him. It was good, contrasted from the, the, the Parivrajika, the, the there in Homeboy. 
that they hung out with, went around, which we do, is you study with this guy, how about this guru, and this guru. They study, he had, uh, I think the Buddha traditionally was said to have had two teachers, as I recall, and their names escape me, because I never can remember them. Does wandering cease when we begin a spiritual path? path? <clears throat> if, if you, I think it's it, it's variable depending on the karma that is showing up as you in your life, and your, so it could come and go. Especially in our culture, we don't have a clear-cut idea of how this should look, so therefore the cultural situation that we find ourselves here in Battle Creek, Michigan, what a weird place to have a monastery. I mean, why wouldn't you go to Kalamazoo and drive? Uh, karma would not let us uh, put down roots over there, but we still try. I think uh, one of our one of our homeboys, Jay, and I goes over there once a week. And he's upstairs. Let's see. Still sitting. Sorry, Yes. It seems like wandering starts with investigation. Once the wandering stops, does the investigation continue? Yes, it just might. It might function in a different way. The investigation, instead of finding some, something out there on the on the shelves of the supermarket, or you know, out there looking at, you know, should I look at, at Ajishanti or Gangaji or in our our world or any of these, or go into some other kind of a uh, religion, or should I study under His Holiness Dalai Lama? Well, that would be great. He's really famous and really well known. We'd be lucky to get an audience with him for more than. Three minutes. I'm not saying you couldn't. You could, and, and it might, he might be uh, might be the best person. So there's the right and wrong part is extra. Right. You may the only person you may be able to under, uh, study under may be somebody who's uh, who's already passed on. So you just study their books or their writings, like just like we study the Buddha. Very good to have a personal uh, mentor, teacher, guide. Uh, very, very good to have that. Especially if it's someone, if you're lucky to, enough to stumble into someone you have similar vibration, or at least you're able to, what they say really resonates with you on some really deep level. It might even be a little scary if it's too deep, because you don't really want to look, you look at that closely. That's something. And what you're ready for. If you're ready for this, uh, then, yes, just make you like, yeah. yeah, go ahead. When, uh, when you find the teacher, how does that, does the investigation continue in that way with the teacher? Yeah, and you would continue to investigate, who is this? What is that? Very direct, simple situation. Just who is this? And then we, we study the teachings every day at noon, as you know, and every Saturday at 11, and every Tuesday night, every Monday night, and other, in other cities, uh, a lot of studying of various sutras, including very early uh, teachings, the, the uh, Nikayas. Jimmy Nikaya, Samuel Nikaya, Diga Nikaya, we studied those. We haven't studied them in the books recently, but we will. We're going back into those pretty soon. And we, so that's the, we're going in that way, using the concepts, and then you're going in using your intuition by sitting down and facing the wall. And how do you do that? You just watch what moves. If you, if you chase this or chase that, if you tamp it down, you can't see what moves. So if you try to make yourself into a meditator, this is a misunderstanding. I'm not saying that there aren't people that are teaching that way, that have students, that they shouldn't be doing that. Of course they should be doing that. You should study with the teacher that you resonate with. Right and wrong, the right teacher, the wrong teacher is a misunderstanding. There's no right and wrong. You may need to study in, in a way totally different than what I'm saying. Well, I'm just telling you, this is how the, I understand this, and I intend to teach it this way. And if there's 
six people, eight people, ten people, twenty, twenty-two people, or no people, uh, I can't do it differently. It's choiceless. Go ahead. Is the wandering continuing inward until it doesn't? And you want to know uh, what we say? Uh, well, help me. What's the next question? Is it choiceless? Yes. The 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 wandering and the searching and the stops when you see there isn't anything else but what you're looking at. You're always looking at what you're looking for. And another way of characterizing it, that which is seeking is that which that which is seeking is that which you're seeking. It says on, uh, I think the, the little uh, scroll I did for Rumi says, can anybody recite what that says? The, the, the historical Rumi. The Rumi was named after the historical Rumi and on his little uh, blossom dharma. I wrote uh, a quote by Rumi on there. Mm-hmm. What you seek is seeking you. No, what you seek is seeking you is another way of saying Interesting way of phrasing it. Yes. Can you say more about the role of intuition on the cushion? Yes. So intuition, a traditional, uh, um, traditional Western psychological or whatever term of intuition is that basically is meditation. You sit down and you just you just uh, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. There's no math at all. No no analysis. When you get off the com- uh, cushion, then. Think your butt off, make all your mind. But when you're sitting down on the cushion, just observe. And you'll notice it takes some time to that slowly you wean yourself away from constantly obliterating everything in front of you with your, your dumb ideas about it. You know, I think well, that's this and that's that. You know you should be able to get angry without even having the word anger even rising. Anger is just an emotion, just a feeling. The concept about anger is a is a baffle. Uh, is a filter, is a uh, bat wings. It's like a it's like a coffee filter with no coffee. But what is intuition? Uh, seeing the fundamental nature uh, through awareness, seeing the fundamental nature of, of what the fancy word is reality, the fundamental nature of anything you look at, you can see everything's fundamental nature. You're no longer uh, confused by anything. Everything you can't see anything but wisdom everywhere. It's just that everyone you look at, wherever you look, you see the Buddha. But then you notice that the, the people that you're looking at don't realize they're the Buddha. That they're not separate from the enlightened one. They're not separate from the Tathagata 2,500 years ago. If you realize that here, here, and here, then anything you do. Unless situationally things arise that you're tied into that you, you can't help but do. You don't have, they're choiceless. You just, you do this and you don't do that. And you have no, there's no, uh, 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 there's no dental work between one thing and another thing that brings about some kind of uh, artificial or imputed unity. You don't need unity if you see nothing separate. You only need some kind of idea of unity. We're all one. This is just a ego mind trying to keep you from looking closely into what the ego is. Ego is terrified of being discovered. And if you're not experiencing that terror, then you will Unless you can figure out some way to derail, uh, get off the path, don't do this. Go back into uh, making cheese sandwiches or whatever it was you did before you stumbled into this. Uh, some people actually go into another form that's not as threatening because this form, I am threatening. If you don't know that, then you haven't been around here long enough. And, and, and threatening to different people in different ways. Some people in ways that totally they think they're just the truth. This person is just out to get me, you're out to control me, you're out to 
uh, molest me. Uh, all kinds of things that are showing up in that way. And I would say, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, don't do anything with it. And if, if you if you consider yourself a student of mine, then be a student, practice. And if you have uh, considerations about this, talk to me about it. I'm much more available than any either of my teachers ever were. I couldn't talk to any of them. The last one avoided me. That's how powerful that teaching was. Yes. Were your teachers threatened? Yes. How are you threatening to us? Uh, I wouldn't answer you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm threatening. You want to go there? Yes. <laughs> I thought you were a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then ask me a question. I don't want a generic one, just ask it. Something that's workable to address what you just asked me. Are you are you saying that you're threatening in your behavior towards us? Somewhat. I think what I would like to say, and uh, those of you who have been around here for a while might agree with, or maybe not, uh, is I'm unpredictable. How do I know that? I don't even know what I'm going to do from one moment to the next. Nothing is planned. And part of that is because, although when I was young, I was extremely sensitive to what other people thought about me. That's kind of gone away. The sensitivity has not gone, but the one who was sensitive, who was worried, is gone. And how are they gone? They haven't gone anywhere. They're still here, but they're not real. You don't have to get rid of it. You can actually live your life. You can actually be who you are. Even though the things your mom, dad pointed out, that those crummy things, they said you need to stop being that way or doing that. And the things that I've told you that this really sucks. I don't really want a student that acts like you do. Can I tell you that? I haven't told you that yet. <laughs> Unpredictable. In other words, you can't find uh, you can't find a dynamic that will that will give you some kind of uh, relative comfort. So what keeps um, predictability from being haphazard? Good question. Haphazard is an imputation that you may give uh, to what I do. Does it look like I'm haphazard? Somehow no. <laughs> so what's the continuity? If you can't, you don't see the kind. Huh? If there was any of the unpredictability, so. Okay. Not too bad. Anyone else? Huh? Do you have an agenda? Yes, I do. What is my agenda? You don't know? Save all beings. Uh, the other way of saying it, be with all things. Whatever arises, don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away. Does your ego mind have an agenda? Yeah. Of course, I have all kinds of opinions and ideas. You don't really want to know what I think of you. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't all this has been going on since I was born. Intense ideas, opinions about everything. They're unreal. Even if there's a relative truth to the situation, uh, they can't find somebody who feels that way. The feeling is looking for somebody. It's like... A bunch of spiders crawling over you, all over you, and then you suddenly the invisibility pills work. No? <laughs> invisibility pills, pills, visible spiders. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are hilarious. <laughs> Question. Might somebody who realizes or sees no self be predictable? It could be more predictable because they have a just a more conventional way of teaching. Yeah, it could be. It could be not thinking of, any, thinking of anyone, but the blue is fairly predictable. 
from from what we have from the so-called history. He, he wasn't too outlandish because he had his his uh, his culture was very supportive of the spiritual path. I mean, people could just walk out and beg, and the people wanted to help the people who were on a spiritual path because they couldn't do it. They had to make a living, they had to feed their family. So having going from house to house and can't do that here. You know, we, we could be locked up for being a homeless or vagrant or panhandling. More. So, so whenever you feel like, or whenever you say that you don't know what you're going to do, is that coming out of your particular style? Um, probably. Yes. Is the wish to save all beings the continuity? Yeah. Uh, uh, that would be a way of talking about continuity. Just because you see, not, there isn't, there aren't any beings to save. So you see it at the same time. You see the fullness of all beings. You see the emptiness of there is, there is no separate self anywhere. So it's a astonishing situation that, uh, that what this is could break up into parts and, and hide out from the self. It's just astonishing. And you get to awaken to that. You get to awaken wherever where you look, you see yourself. You don't see yourself. Everybody's going to look like you look. Lucky us. <laughs> oh, that hurt, Daddy. <laughs> that was a joke. He's extremely handsome, especially his eyes. You notice his eyes? They can convince you. <laughs> so, if you see what this is, there isn't anything else to do. There isn't anyone else but you. Not, not you, the ego of you, but there isn't any, anything but this. So you, what do you do? You take care of this. That's the continuity. You take care of everything you see needs your care. Every every piece of wood, every ant on the ground, every bird in the sky, every, every human being who walks in this monastery, and the ones that walk by that have no concern with this at all. This doesn't mean you go around and start giving money to all the people who are carrying cardboard signs that say, God bless you. But it also doesn't mean you avoid them either. You might find yourself, without really knowing why you're doing it, you might find some of those people you just respond to. It might be something about, might not have to do with thought, more with just some kind of feeling about that person, that you might give them a couple bucks to whatever. I'm just using that to say that you can't find a continuity. If you find continuity, uh, that, that's separation. Here's the continuity, here's you finding it. Duality. You are continuity. That's why you can't do compassion, even though it's taught differently. You can't do wisdom. I'm going to talk about that on whatever day it is. Other people are going to talk about uh, generosity and discipline and patience. And, the, and those are more relative things. Those are something more you can practice. But very difficult to practice wisdom. Very diff- difficult to practice uh, compassion. Because it, it, tends, it tends to limit us into feeling for, or sometimes that we get, some people will get carried away with being, wanting to be a compassionate person because they know they suck, you know, they're really terrible, and you know, they've treated people like crap, so they decided to be compassionate, so they start working on that relatively. I'm not saying that that couldn't be helpful and might be, but it will only be, it will only be workable in a relative kind of way. The ultimate situation has not been touched because it, it makes a circle. This doesn't mean that the person who does that is a bad person or wrong or shouldn't be doing that or should be listening to what I'm saying. If you're not listening to what I'm saying, it's totally accurate. If you're listening to what I'm saying, totally accurate. There's no, there's no I'm not, I don't need um, I don't need followers, as I say, yes. Is there help that addresses something fundamentally? Yes. Don't meddle with it. Don't meddle with anything based on your idea about something. 
if you see what this is, you won't separate yourself in such a way that you'll you'll rely on the thinking process to do anything other than measure a piece of lumber in your case. Thought patterns are made, thoughts are made to help us deal with our relative situation and some aspects of the relative situation that have moved into that those other dimensions, abstract thought and so on, deal with computers. Can you build a computer out of wood? I rest my case. Does that work? Yes. Earlier in the talk, you said something about how wandering needs to be fine-tuned. How is wandering fine-tuned? It's like when you're, you use a metaphor. This is a very, you know, uh, the metaphor only works so far. It's when you when you begin to see what what kind of cheesecake you really want. When you don't go over into the bananas and the, and walk off into the other part of the store, look, see uh, which kind of strobe light should I get? You know, I mean, who's making the cheesecake? It's kind of a dumb metaphor, but it's like that. When you realize, when you came here, you'd already been, you know, not to characterize too much about your life, but you've been uh, raised in a spiritual uh, home, uh, as I recall, and you've looked in several directions there. And at some point, you, out of causes and conditions that were somewhat choiceless for you, you found yourself here, and here you are. And so uh, this this tends to have, because it's about you and your practice, not about you ad- adhering to some kind of uh, cultural uh, structure and form where you just become a member of it, you're actually, you're actually, uh, are this, you are the Sangha. Uh, Buddha and Dharma and Sangha are often mis- misunderstood as, as it's basically described as a teacher and the teaching in the community. But those also go the other direction. The Sangha is the Buddha. The teaching uh, is the Sangha. And the Buddha is, well, you didn't go further. More. What kind of cheesecake do you like? <laughs> <laughs> I like cheesecake that has no sugar in it. And I like cheesecake that has uh, whipped cream on top. And did you really want to know or you just trying to get it? <laughs> oh, okay. uh, no, and uh, also, what is that stuff? Cream cheese. And sour cream and cream eggs. Cream cheese and sour cream and eggs. And vanilla. And vanilla. And lemon juice. A little bit of lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, after Chogyam passed away, did you wander until you met Colvin? No, 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 I did not. I uh, I was not wandering after after Trunkpa passed away. I just noticed that I didn't mind him passing away. I also noticed that I didn't miss him, and I also noticed that whatever it was about him was still there. It's, it's here now. And I'm not talking about some kind of woo Trump is watching what's happening. But it's not, it's not separate. It fundamentally, it's, that's fundamentally the truth. That if you don't realize it, then it just becomes more a collection of stuff. I don't, want, I don't need that kind of propaganda. But it was kind of odd that I noticed I didn't. It was in, uh, well, it was in 1987. Uh, what, April 4th, 1987? I was down at uh, City. Just before you get to the border, I can't remember the name of that city, visiting his son member down there. He got a call from Boulder. Uh, Jay passed away. And I just kind of, it wasn't like, I felt a little sad, but it wasn't near as much as I thought. And then, but there was no wandering. The wandering is over with. I still had all kinds of practice to do. So he'd already told me what to do, and I was still doing it. It would have been nice to check in with him, but he'd already. More about that? I wasn't wandering when I met Coben. Coben actually just showed me that I need to wander. <laughs> I wasn't done. 
basically, he showed me that I wasn't God. So, yes. Practicing or searching or looking for looking for something more. I'd come to a conclusion about my practice that I knew what I needed to know and I didn't need any more help from the teacher. He showed me that I was that was incorrect. And without even saying anything, he waited until I asked him something. That's why I'm always saying, ask me a question. (laughs) (laughs) I asked him uh, to be my teacher and he immediately corrected me. That's the last that was the last bit of help, literal help I could get out of it. Everything from then on was, how does it feel like to be alone? <laughs> That's how I felt. Really wouldn't talk to me like this. Um, sometimes you come up to the altar and you'll adjust something, but I think you ask sometimes, like, if you're correcting something, and what, what does it mean to correct? Don't you ask me why I do that? Why do you adjust the altar? Mm. Well, this, this, uh, this is my mind. I'm correcting, uh, from a relative point of view, I'm correcting my mind. And when you come up to my mind and don't put things back where they belong, then I have to come and readjust everything. Do you follow that? This is only meant for him, but it's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the Bell and Dorje are too far away from that little line. Where do they belong? comes to um, saving sentient beings, uh, I know the temptation for me is to correct. How do we do it without correcting? Feel and uh, actually have the feeling of correcting and stop trying to correct yourself about that and allow that feeling to come up and just just feel that. Give it plenty of attention. Just, just be with the feeling. If you don't push the feeling away by actually literally trying not to think that, or if you uh, justify the feeling, by fluffing it up with your ideas, your interpretations, your evaluations, and so on. You're actually covering up the awareness that needs to be with that or see that or in that. And by ignoring or distracting. So don't do anything. Just feel feel that. And, but don't necessarily turn it into uh, your voice, the vocal cords, or your activity. You need to pick up that drug group. More? Yes. In- Women and still finding myself occasionally correcting, especially another person. Um, and I see myself doing that. Then what? Stop it. You know how to do it. I mean, you, you might have to mm-hmm. play with it. It might be harder to do unless there's a strong sitting practice. Mm-hmm. And so you can let we practice. It's hard to deal with human beings, of course, because they're all over the place. But you, you can you, when you sit down and walk and do shikantaza, just watch what moves, whether it's thoughts and emotions, feelings, memories. Um, body aches and pains, no matter what it is, any form that arises, that means that anything that arises that's separate from, uh, shows up in contrast from what was happening a few minutes ago, it's a form. And then do nothing with it. Don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. And how do we do that? We notice how some things come up and we want to add on. Some things come up and we want to push them down. And also when you do that, then keep it on a very simple level. Don't put layers of, excuse me, concepts and ideas on top of it. And eventually, through doing that, you're actually saving all beings. A thought, a thought that arises just like a human being. Not the same, but it's that's the way you can practice. Let things be what they are. The most negative feeling and emotion, do not interrupt that. Don't validate it, and don't, don't do anything with the energy other than just see it as energy. Don't look at it and intellectually translate it into something, a comment, oh, this is just energy. Don't do that. That's like... Uh, 
It's like trying to uh, scale a fish with a welding glove on. Well, that's just what showed up. So, take the glove off. Uh, probably shouldn't be scaling fish, but you could cut a cat. Just, just feel that, feel that, how that feels. The feeling of that is, uh, can be at once abrasive and difficult, but all there's something that is real and, 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 uh, um, it's not a certainty about something, it's a certainty about that. That you're actually, you, the consciousness it has, there's no, there's no, uh, filter between the, the, the feeling of something and uh, the consciousness that is that is experiencing that feeling. Very difficult to do that without the mind coming in and commenting somewhere or another, in, in, uh, some kind of intercessor or interlocutor or loper or whatever those all words. Hume, that's which one. Which one is it? <laughs> so, so what am I coming back to? Just awareness, awareness. And you, you can't do that by thinking about it. You have to actually expose yourself to uh, that minimalist approach to the mind. Just sit down, hold still, and watch the complications uh, slowly start to settle down and back off. It takes uh, years. You know, this in practice. It takes years. And if you're doing it with eyes closed, it's going to probably take more years. When you say stop it, when she says that she yeah. can see that she's correcting people, yeah. how how does that work when we also talk about um, if you stop something prematurely without yeah. seeing what it is, then you're just going in circles? So I would say, I'm saying this, you know, I have to use relative concepts. So fundamentally, we would like to stop that. But when I say stop it, I'm also knowing that you can't just stop it. If you're good, we wouldn't even be in here. We would just, you know, we would just be happy, wouldn't we? If you had total control of your mind, you need to do this. You'd just be happy. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> that would be 50 bucks. <laughs> so, so I, what I'm saying, when I say stop it, I'm, I'm saying it because I'm not going to say that uh, in a way that I can't continue to interact with, like I'm doing with, with Katie. I'm saying stop it, and then I wait to see what she does with that. And then well, I, I tried to stop it, and that, say she said that. I said, well, I don't exactly mean stop it, but that engages the conversation so we can talk about the nature of that because the, the guesswork that we have about ourselves that we need to stop things and we fundamentally don't. But what that will bring us to is how we don't have any say so, but we can't stop. And that would be the next thing that come up and I'd say, yeah, I call that awareness. I can't stop it. You might have to start with how little control um, you have or how little control any of us have over any kind of outcome. I say over and over again, I think it's a great... Uh, Experience. Just go to the mirror. Spend ten minutes there. Look at the mirror. Look in the mirror. Look at your image in the mirror. And then after about uh, five or ten minutes, you should spend more than a couple minutes. Say, what did I have to do with that? Oh, what did I, what what in front of it is in front of me? Did I have any control over? Did I choose other than maybe your haircut? You know, that's kind of a surfacey thing. But you did that. Maybe you know. Maybe there might be something else that would show up for you there. It's a very, very good exercise to do to realize how really there's a whole lot of things going on. We have no say-so over it, and one of them is our life. But once you see that, then the interesting thing, if you're really clear about that, then you see those particular areas of your life that you do have some say-so over. You can actually get your butt to the cushion and sit down and hold still and watch and, and train the mind to go more deeply into that area that we've been closed off from probably since we were born. And we've been trained not to look at through our culture, our psychological uh, 
culture, our spiritual uh, um, training and, and conditioning, and just enculturation. Yes. So choicelessness doesn't always seem benign. Doesn't. Is there a way to distinguish between the kind of choicelessness that keeps us locked in circles and a choicelessness that is guiding us along the path? So here's how, here's how I'll comment on that or respond to that. I'll say, do a lot of sitting meditation where you're just the idea is just to sit down, hold still. There's an altar there, whether you do chants or you do sutras, I'm not too interested in that. Um, we could introduce that if you needed those kind of forms. I think I think they're good, but I wouldn't push that. So sit down, hold still, watch what continues to move. When you hold the body very still, and then when you get up off the cushion, don't do anything else you have to. And then you will notice you'll, you'll be more clear over time. You'll be more clear about the things you're impulsively still doing and the other things where it's not that you have a choice so much as you notice there's an impulse, but, but you don't hook up your vocal cords. You kind of intercept it. It's not an interception that, that is a, like a Martian military kind of thing. It's one based on awareness. It's one where you're looking at something and you're saying, I'm not going to have cream in my coffee today. I'm just coming up with that because that's how it functions for me. Sometimes I have cream, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I eat, sometimes I don't. More about that? Okay. If that's not connecting with the, that particular area the question comes out of. Close up. It seems like when we start wandering or searching, it might be out of knowing it or not what's in it for me. So if you, you mentioned earlier resonating with when you find a community or a teacher, what's the difference? Um, is there a recognizable difference between a genuine resonance and really good cooling? Yeah. So, in other words, uh, resonating with a spiritual path or just running into a cult? What we call a cult? Yeah, or something that's just kind of... Um, cooling. Yeah. Or something that's um, like serving a need that's just taking you... I, I think it's, uh, again, dependent origination makes it so different for each person. And there's no, if there's any kind of sales pitch going on, the red flag should go up. If there's any kind of manipulation, the way I understand this, anybody coming to you trying to manipulate you or get you or convince you, including Sangha members, you're in a, or a spiritual community, shall we say it that way. Anybody that has some kind of agenda about controlling you or trying to convince you or giving you a sales pitch or anything. And now if someone asks you a question, of course you can respond. Why, why are you, what are you doing here? So this, how are you going to say, this works for me and this is me. But nothing beyond that. Just respond to the question. Nothing beyond that. And that keeps, that keeps things uh, clear. That's like I often say here, uh, if, if any, uh, I don't want any gossip happening here. It's just so destructive. You know, if you want, if you have gossip, then uh, uh, something is before you run, come and tell me about it. We can deal with that. And cut into that and, be respectful to other people. Other people have causes and conditions and confusion that you may not have that show up to you as, what the hell are they doing that for? What the hell? You know, give people the benefit of the doubt, uh, especially in a tight, what do you say, tight, a small community like this, which is pretty small. I like it small. In a situation where someone's doing something that they might not even realize it's bothering you, is it helpful to them on their path to see how their actions are kind of bleeding into your life? Maybe. The causes and conditions are so complicated in that area that you would need to do it situationally on the spot. You'd have to do it on the spot and trust yourself. And you may 
you may do, you may function a certain way and see where I uh, probably overstepped my situation. And then you could actually say to the person, uh, whoops, sorry about that. I could say, apologize once. One apology is actually about them, about uh, being uh, uh, a little remorseful about, you know, poking them. You apologize more than that, then it's about you wanting to be someone who's forgiven. Or, you don't need forgiveness. Forgiveness is, uh, um, I don't want to disagree with anyone because a lot of people are preaching forgiveness, but I think it's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, why would you need it? If you if you if you were living in it with integrity, even though you three years ago you were um, doing horrible, terrible things, but you can't you can't uh, can't cling to the past. You can't cling to past uh, mistakes and misunderstandings. I mean, you can, but you have to be here. That doesn't so called isn't sort of letting off the hook. It's just realizing the nature of this is there can be a little bit you know, of remorse about that. But you, you could trust yourself to step into that and see what happens, especially if it's you know, a song number. But, you know. So then when you spoke about um, having coffee, cream in your coffee or not, yeah. is there any sense in choicelessness of surrendering? So surrendering, if it's surrendering to something, or as something, I'm just surrendering. Or if it's surrendering as, uh, this is, I'm just going to surrender to this, uh, then that's a uh, fishy. But now surrendering should, should uh, uh, if we use that word the way I understand it, it's, uh, you won't know that you've done that. You, you won't have a, there won't be no credential. Because there isn't anyone to surrender. So actual surrendering, fundamental surrendering, is seeing there, the, is having a deep understanding of, it's called wisdom. Of, of there is, there is, there are no separate beings. It's just an intense illusion that we all buy into and believe and fight with each other and fight with ourselves and agree with ourselves and disagree with ourselves. And it's, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Is it healthy if we're on this path to um, make contact with that, with that desire, pushing, pulling, ignorance, and just surrendering to allowing the situation to unfold? Don't do it. There's too much of a, an agenda about it. Because if you do that, then you're going to look for results. Did it work? And the, did it work? Works in some ways that will work with the, the did it work situation is helpful. But I would be very careful about looking for any results. What's important here, and you hear me say it over and I'll say it again, just observe the distress. Just observe the delusion. There isn't anyone to observe that. And to see that there is no, that you're seeing, witnessing something without a witness or without an observer, is an astonishing realization. And I hope that all uh, comes about for each one of you. That's my interest is in helping you with that. Not in getting you to become a Buddhist or receive precepts or control you or memorizing anything. Find out who you are. So there's no doubts. You have no doubt. So you no longer spread your misunderstanding onto the world. Yes? If that teaching about just observing sometimes sometimes I have a visceral reaction to it but just my whole energy just kind of like sinking down it's very dark just observe that yes. and as long as it, it lasts it lasts yes. is that what you're saying? The, the, the control you need is to hold the body still and at some point you will have a deeper understanding of what control is uh, hold the body still and then watch that and if it get you know again excuse me if it gets really dark, I'm not saying this is not torture yourself and stop, get up, go to the carnival, have ice cream, you know, play with your cat. You have a cat? 
You know, they're cats. My goodness. I'm just like in samadhi all the time. <laughs> Don't you know? Yes. Just like uh, one-year-olds, they're kind of in samadhi too. Especially our temple resident who saw this. More about that or less? Oh, just um, talk, reading the sutras and it talks about bliss and nirvana and samadhi yeah. and that. And uh, it's not really something that it's very difficult to generate that. You don't have to generate it. Just stop getting in the way of it. And how do you do that? You, know, you just watch, you just observe yourself, keep objecting and agreeing and shutting down the three poisons. And, and then the variations on that, various nuance uh, of, of, of aspects of, of ignoring and uh, and agreeing, or aspects of ignoring and aggression, or passion and aggression, and all the different ways that that shows up uh, for us in our mind, or sometimes we see it in others. Do nothing with it, other than just receive, and like I'm saying over and over again, give everything your attention. Starting with your own thought pattern, just just give it your just watch the thought patterns come and go. Is that part of what we have a choice over? You have a little bit of choice. You can actually sit down, hold still, and observe. And that observing is going to show up how you can't really observe very well. So that's that's how we train our mind. Just like if you were a literal lifting weights, you would notice how it's really hard to lift weights at first, but it gets. It's easier. It's, uh, even though you might still feel it's difficult, it's, you know, you're actually be able to be able to do that more, more expediency and more directness and so on. It's a similar kind of exercise, except there's no, it's an invisible muscle. And it isn't actually, it doesn't actually function exactly like a muscle. Because it's already the case. This is what a misunderstanding when people train, and I don't mean to make the whole Tibetan lineage wrong, I'm just saying it in that. Time and that culture and that situation, that's the only way they could teach it. And maybe the only way, uh, I had a, uh, heaven forbid, I had a thousand students. I might be teaching uh, much differently than I'm doing now, but I'm teaching directly to a thousand people. And I've got, what, maybe three or four people online. There's not very many people uh, interested in this, in the way I do this. So I would say sit down, hold still, watch what moves, so that you can, you could say, deepen your wisdom. Or stop covering up the wisdom is already the case. This is the great perfection talked about by Longchenpa and the Dzogchen teachings and Mahabhudra teachings. This is already true. You're already perfect. You don't need to be somebody else. If you realize that, work is done. You're free. You're, you're not free from something. You're not free to something. You're fundamentally free, which, uh, which from the relative point of view makes no sense. That's because relativity and ultimate are no longer two separate things. Fundamentally non-dual or advaita. If you were teaching to a thousand students and your style change, would your teaching still be direct? It could be. That good it could be. I, I don't know. It's kind of a, not probably not. Unlikely that's going to happen. Would it happen by now? What is it about the, the style that would change if there were so many people? I have no idea. It, it just I sense that that probably. Probably occur, but I don't know that. It's because it's a, because I'm doing this situationally. I came up with a name for this uh, talk, I don't know, hour ago, hour ago. And I also didn't know what I was going to say. I was on the internet trying to figure out if Arabrajika was a, it's a name I'd heard, and I, I knew what it meant, but I didn't know if it was a 
Sanskrit. That was Sanskrit, by the way. It was spelled, uh, the romanization of it was probably uh, Sanskrit. But I thought, well, maybe it's Pali. And maybe it's, and I, then I thought, well, I could ask Oscar. He probably did not. But Oscar, he might be watching. Yes. What Hakaran asked, like she brought up, like how some of the teachers talk about bliss and a bunch of stuff that sounds really good. Yeah. And you mentioned the great perfection. Is your understanding of that different than something like bliss? Well, give me a more direct. I follow you, but ask it so that so that this will work with for people a lot less intelligent. <laughs> is the great perfection pointing at something besides bliss? So bliss is a way, I have to have some, I have to use words, but bliss, the way I would use the word bliss, bliss is the understanding that even though you're having really negative thoughts, you're really having really a difficult time in your life. You're really, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a, kind of a bitch. Things are, but the, the, there's no identity that really cares about that. So whatever happening, whatever is happening, we're not saying it, it all feels good. But we're saying that the basic freedom that you're no longer confined, as a, as a Nagarjuna said in, a, in praise of Dharmadatu, you're no longer in the, there's no longer a cage of your afflictions. Afflictions may be there and they may not. They may vanish. They may stay around, stay around. You don't care because they can't find you. There's no, the afflictions are flying around us like bars with no prisoner. There's one. And then you notice another feeling comes and goes, but it doesn't find anybody. That gives a crap about it. Wouldn't it be great if you had a negative emotion right recently? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be interesting if you had a negative emotion and you didn't care if it stayed there forever? I'm fine with that. You wouldn't even say. You wouldn't even make that comment because that there's some kind of uh, pride in that. I can handle my negative feelings now. It's actually you. You actually may actually feel miserable. The emotion of misery uh, cannot find someone who's miserable, but that doesn't mean the emotion of misery, which is dependently arisen, isn't searching for somebody to hang that uh, hang that uh, bag of bones on. More, what do we do with those things that come up if we if we don't see that there's no one there doing that? How are we affecting that differently? We think it's real. We uh, we we add on to it um, a, a reality, and we get that reality from thinking that we are having that feeling. And the way to work with that is to go in the direction of having the feeling. And that's why I say, be a good host. And I go to the identity part of the feeling, then rather than saying there's no self, there's no one, it's just empty, misunderstanding. I'm not that kind of a teacher. So when I say. Say, actually, actually go in, look for the media, look for I, look for me. See if there's anyone that actually shows up to claim that emotion or that feeling. When you talk about misery, you're looking for something to hang its hat on. Can that misery find um, something to use or to project onto without our say-so? Good question. Uh, that's, a, that's ego will do that. It will, it will, ego will say, I'm not really here. I'm really nobody. It's just empty space. Because it, it looks for an experience of emptiness, an experience of no self, and if it finds the slightest little twinge of no self, what does it do with that? Credential. And so it's the one who, who actually entertains 
and has a little scenario that is just going with the negative feeling. No, it's worse than that. If you have any thoughts about it, then you have not run into the desolation and the disappointment that is, uh, is the nature of awakening from the point of view of ego. It's, it's desolate. There isn't anything else. You aren't going to get anything out of this. How do you do good entertainment? Oh, just enjoy yourself. I mean, you, you used the word. I didn't. You used the word entertainment. Then. Well, you said ego is finding a place home. Just That's right. Then enjoy it. House. Then enjoy it. But but the only way you can do it is to actually just feel that quality, and it won't last. Eventually, you'll see this is fake. I'm on a stage. This is a costume. Uh, whatever this is, it's unreal. If you can, move to the front row and keep observing. Leave the theater. Good. So in those situations where you visited a dark, yeah, a little glass, yeah, that stays. Um. Stop calling it that for one thing. Don't give it a name anymore. If you give it a name again, change the name every eight days. Make it every seven days. And don't uh, have the name be something it doesn't, so have no idea what you're naming, so you have no idea. Like you call it a bag of marshmallows. And then the next uh, seven days later, that comes in. You've heard me talk to you about this. Thing. Yeah, thank you, sir. Call the carrot. Yeah, call the carrot. Yeah, it's like... What a terrible way the parent must be. So when that happens, yes. and um, I add to it, or so, something is happening here, am mm-hmm. I? Does this have the power to to um, extend the duration of that negative, or am I by adding transforming it somehow? Give me a question. I don't mind either or. Give me a straight question. I'll deal with the polarity. Just ask me half of that. When I feel sucked down. What's the um, question? Right there. What's the question? No. You ask me when I feel, because you can't control what you feel. Just like I said earlier, if we can do that, we just, let's be happy. End of monastery. <laughs> Turn it back into a, what it was this place? VFW Hall. A VFW Hall. Veterans of so Foreign War. So not, I add to it, it's, it stays as long as it stays. Yes, but my way of talking about it is it probably will prolong it if the, one of the three poisons becomes active in that area, uh, especially unbeknownst to... If you're clear that you're being aggressive with it, then that kind of wears out also. But the, the, the emotion itself actually can run its course, but the, the, the difficulty with dependent origination uh, is we, we impute that there's just this person, just this lifetime. And I'm not saying there's other lifetimes. I don't know if there is or not. No care. Not interested. But I'm saying this uh, situation, the idea of time is a belief and an imputation. That we believe that something started here and went to here and now we're here and we're going to live so much longer and then we'll be gone. We have all these structures. And what I'm saying is just be aware of it. If you do anything with it, you tend to buy into the, the relative construct that's called a uh, physical form coming into uh, into this realm of desire. Go ahead. If, if I add into a gracious poison, am I changing it? If you're adding to it? Yeah. You're modifying it in such a way that it gives it more light because then, it, then it, it kind of has its own kind of reality. Well, uh, if you're doing nothing with it, it, it you know, it, it can't get any, it gets its nutrition of some kind of extended longevity from your fiddling with it or liking it or disliking it or ignoring it or doing anything with it. It came out of a, 
uh, causes and conditions that were started way before you got here, more than likely. And I would say, just just receive. Give everything your attention. And when it shows up, just be a good host. Let it come. It, it, and eventually, it won't find anyone. It'll go right in the, come in the front door. If you looked at it as a metaphor of a house, it goes right in the, come right in the front door, and there's nobody objecting to it, agreeing with it, or ignoring it. It, it will go right on through, to use the metaphor of the eight consciousnesses of the uh, yoga chara teaching. What is the relationship between experiencing something and it just I'm not sure. I'm not sure you something, something comes. Yeah, something happens. I emotion. Don't, I don't resist it. I don't. I, yeah. Okay. I experience its original state. Is that somewhat? Well, well yeah, somewhat. Yeah, it's, it's, How? What's the relationship between that and the resistance? Uh, experiencing the original state, it's relation. It's just maybe. So. Um, if I understand the way you're asking, if you do nothing with it, it may feel more intense rather than if you do something with it, it may feel more. Because if you're doing something with it, you might be covering up the sharp edges and ca- causing it to, the duration to last or giving it some kind of rea- imputing some kind of reality to it that will buy into the causes and conditions that are already here in this realm, in this kind of physical low burn, low frequency thing called. Uh, like <clears throat> gravity, time, space, um, all of the things that look so real to us and make us think that we're actually here, we're doing something, and it means something, uh, what we do and what we don't do. Not that it doesn't mean something, but uh, having a, a wider, broader understanding of that without concluding, without excluding, without shutting down. So if you do add on or something, it may may not hurt as much, maybe more easier and maybe more uh, apparent some kind of control or something you may you may fixate on that and, con- and kind of condition yourself to always function that way and the only way you'll know that you've done that is when some situation comes that because of the Bennett origination because things are not separate something comes along that has that similar frequency could be another person could be a situation suddenly instead of having a kind of an ordinary uh, you know three degrees of reaction to that, Instead, you've got 50 because you have all this un, unexperienced emotion is, has been hiding out in the seventh consciousness or the eighth or the ninth or the tenth or whatever level of consciousness. And suddenly it finds a way out through because it's been an origin, origination, because of not separate, because the, the, the separation is an illusion. And, but it, things are separated. But when that frequency starts, it's, just, it's mechanical. There's nothing personal in it. It's mechanical. You're going along fine. Suddenly, something happens out here that triggers something. Suddenly, you're erupting in some kind of emotion uh, based on something else that happened that was very small. But here, you're having intense feelings. The other thing, the other thing that can happen is nothing can happen on you. You can't find any reason for it, and you have intense uh, feelings of angst or anxiety, sometimes called depression. And what do they do with depression? They want to cover it up with medication so you don't feel. And this path is not about covering anything up. This path is about if you feel the downside of feeling intense feelings and emotions that come out of an apparent past is it sucks, it's painful. But the upside is this is this is a way to live in this world and actually um, be be with all things, to actually live your life. I often say, don't miss your life by covering anything up. This doesn't mean you shouldn't take aspirin or acetaminophen, but to, people tend to go overboard with that kind of thing, as we know, sir. When it comes to the unexamined aggression. That does that imply that it's examinable? Sure. 
how can we exam is is the only way to examine it to watch it come up? Yes, just observe. And as you're, if you, if you there's, there's various nuances happening depending on the person it takes. That's why they call it a practice. You might have to do this for a long time. You may have to look at your aggression come and go and, and all these different masks. Aggression coming as depression. That's a hard one to see, but it's a kind of intense hatred. So it needs to be seen, yes. Um, it left. It left. Uh, so you're going to come back? It might. Well, what they usually say? Well, it must have not been important. <laughs> <laughs> not so sure about that. <laughs> Oscar is watching. Oscar. <laughs> he said, yes, I am watching and enjoying, and it is a Sanskrit word. Oh, thank you. Though I don't know Polly over the period of my book study, so the project I noticed that Polly does not seem to have compounded letters like V R A N Parivrajika. Okay, Parivrajika. I spelled it Parivrajika. P A R I V R A J I K A. Okay, did I misspell it? Uh, I don't know because I didn't see. Well, it's a romanization, so it might be. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Is there a way to successfully watch aggression arise? So the success and failure part is extra. Uh, you don't need to have a have some kind of a, a aggression watching indicator or measurement like five degrees, eight degrees. I mean, not that you couldn't possibly come up with something like that, but it would be better to just whatever the rising to not really have a measurement uh, mindset. So just, just just observe it. Be genuine. Because the, the world isn't going to come to you already pre-measured, you know, like a, some kind of a recipe, you know, or some kind of a paint-by-number or something. It's, it's going to be chaotic and until you see what it is. And when you see what it is, and everything's perfect all the time. In the midst of the suffering. Yes, sir. So what you just said there, that's not success. What? To see what it is. No, there's no one being successful. So if I'm adding in the midst of aggression, that's not failure. No. What do you think it is? Always about awareness. It's never about correcting or changing. Although the the temptation to if we start to get a really good view of something we're doing, there's a temptation to go on and manipulate that somehow. And I wouldn't slam that gate too quick just because you found out where the handle and the hinges were. I would actually let that be open for a while. Allow yourself to feel that negativity. And you could say, uh, you're going to ask, is that control? A little bit. But it's, it's more of a control where you don't do something rather than a control where you do something. Just It's like even sitting meditation is a, uh, it's a, a minimalist approach. It's a elimination diet for ego, as I've said before. Sit down, hold still, and just eliminate everything you can without without being aggressive or grasping or, or ignoring. Just sit down and turn everything, all your senses, including your mind, down receive. When you do that, then anything that moves, any thought, emotion, memory, anything that moves, just give it your attention. And if you do that over time, uh, then eventually there won't be a then. It's a negative way of thought. Take one more for this one. So... Much earlier, you said um, after you're done meditating, don't do anything unless you have to. And I've heard you say that before. So, how do you know what you have to do and what you don't have to do? I think if you kind of keep that in mind for a while, 
And I think it could show up differently with each person. Some person, some people might be able to might catch on to that right away, and because they're more clear about all the things that kind of extraneous things that they've been doing just in case. Get <laughs> 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 a nerve there. <laughs> so just in case, I'm going to do that just in case. And, and you know, you could you could uh, you could even set up a time frame since you know we're all using uh, time. You know, for the next week, I'm going to look very closely at that and, and, and see if I can work in a way where I don't have to do anything. And I wouldn't go overboard and be some kind of a some kind of a um, maniac about it. But just just notice that there. One of the ways you can do that is to notice how there's some things you're doing that really kind of they, they don't have a strong uh, backing from anything other than you just want to fill up space. When we do things we don't that we that we don't really have to do quite often, it's, it's filling up space. It's kind of a a, um, a low level kind of boredom. It's not exactly boredom, but it's just just too much space, and we want to fill it up with activity or doing something or. And, and, and again, it's not so much about stopping that. It's just, it's, it's, it is if you take that kind of a, I'm going to look and see what I'm doing that I don't need to do. You might do that for a while, like I said, a week or something like that, set a time, you know, set it up so you actually remember to do it. I haven't had to do that because I forget what I was doing. But, and then, and then at the end of, end of that, uh, uh, then you can just resume and go back and do things that you don't need to do. So something about the contrast there uh, might help. For the question about that would help, uh, I could possibly fine tune what I just said to your style. If you anything for you. <laughs> yeah, well, have, does, it, does it ring true with you a little bit? You ask the question, so I feel like it must be something in that that would yeah. make some sense to me. So I would just play with the ideas, of move those concepts around, and maybe apply it to something you're going to do for a day. You're going to just watch anything you're doing you don't, you don't really need to do that. You could even comment on, I don't really need to to say hello to this person, in your case, you're a teacher in a school. I don't really need to say this. And I'm not saying go overboard and never talk to anybody, you know, and kind of grip onto some opposite of everything. But just so you could experiment a little bit and notice how that, I'm just going to use an example here, but say every every morning in the hallway you walk by this particular person, a teacher or someone, and you always say, how are you doing this morning? Or something like that. You don't need to do that. Um, and don't misunderstand, I'm not picking on any kind of uh, friendly. I think it's a good idea to greet people and be friendly. And uh, the reason you would have to do that uh, would be uh, it's good to stay connected with people. You could take it the other way. So there might be some other uh, situation that um, you, could, you could interrupt that a little bit to see what it's like. There's other area, other other. Uh, things around that that could come up, but it would almost have to come out of your questions. So otherwise, I would be I would be going too far into the way it shows up for me, and uh, it would be less of happening where I'm kind of trying to inspire somebody to check that out a little bit in their life. What What are you doing that you don't have to? You could end up leaving the monastery. You don't have to be here. I often say that if you don't you don't have to be here, go go somewhere else. Yes. Sir. Uh, What's the difference between something that we have to do and something that might be like culturally or socially um, preferable, like doing the dishes or something like that? <laughs> you have to do that. <laughs> I also live with Michael. I didn't think you had to do the dishes. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you can answer that. 
it just seems to get really um, tangled. So keep it very simple. Keep it to something that's not interpersonal with others. That might be a little bit difficult to work with. Although at some point you could be doing that, but you could do it with uh, you know you, you have a part-time job and you go, go to your job. Something about the habit patterns that you uh, you do. Uh, there's two ways to do it. One is you can eliminate something. Uh, you can eliminate something. So you don't have to do that. You don't have to do, sit this in your car seat in the morning. You could you could keep it in your pocket or something, or you know, maybe a cup of coffee or something like that. But when you find something like that that you can interrupt something you normally do, that's a way to play with it a little bit initially. And another thing is you can do something that makes no sense, which is kind of a the opposite. It has a similar. Um, um, there's one that I was telling people to do a long time ago that just happened to show up a very long time ago. Um, do something that, I mean, take a, take a uh, grease pencil and take uh, half a dozen glasses out of your cupboard and put an X in the bottom of it. Huh? Does everybody know what a grease pencil is? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody here not know what a grease pencil is? <laughs> well, you have to get some grease, take a pencil, and dip it in the grease. It's a, it's a, you can use a crayon, you know, the crayon. <laughs> so to do something that is, uh, that, that it may be something that odd, it could be something you're doing a, a, a certain way and change your pattern in there. It's changed the habit pattern slightly. It tends to break down the the way the mind is working. You cover things up. Uh, it tends to show up things that you've been ignoring that are very ordinary. We talk more about it. Sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Once told me to go to my freezer and get the ice cream. Something in my living. I remember that. Did you do it? <laughs> I rest my briefcase. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of breaking into that somehow and just uh, brings a little bit of uh, ventilation into our, our studies. Thank you, my friends. <laughs>